Did you know locums docs make on average 33% more than employed docs? Got your attention now? So if you're considering locum tenants either full-time or on the side, you probably have a question or two or maybe even 20. Locumstory.com is packed with unbiased information and tools to see what the trends are in your specialty and even make a decision if locums is right for you. My advice, make locumstory.com the go-to place to learn more about locum tenants. That's locumstory.com. What's good, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Docs Outside the Box. I am your host, Dr. Nee, and I am joined by... Dr. Renee. So I'm um, really excited to talk about this topic, and we're only giving ourselves 30 minutes to talk about this topic. This is something that I think more and more medical students are doing, more and more doctors are doing, and definitely, obviously, more and more business schools as well as uh, schools of medicine, whether it's osteopathic or allopathic, are doing, which is offering a dual degree pathway. Mm -hmm. DOMBA, MDMBA, more and more people are doing this. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about, is it worth it? So we are coming from the experience of being at an osteopathic school, graduating in four years and being in a dual degree program where we got our DO. And as our well MBA. In our MBA. We did it in four years. That was really an attractive thing for me, mm-hmm. which was not having to do an additional year. Um, but that price tag was was really expensive. So this was between the years of 2002 to 2006. We got a dual degree and we graduated. I think it, it was total around $32,000. Yeah, about that. I think. I think it was yeah. like thirty-two thousand dollars. I tried to look it up. I couldn't find it anywhere. No, I feel like it was like twenty-five. Twenty-five. I feel like yeah, it was between twenty-five and thirty. Okay. Well, either way, it was hella expensive, and we were able to finance it through private loans mainly because we were maxing out the majority of our of our student loans from the federal standpoint. So, listen, on this episode, we're going to cover the topics of what is an MBA, the different types of MBA programs the cost, as well as the jobs that you can get, the pros and cons of getting an MBA while you're in medical school, as well as my advice, me and Renee's advice. So why don't we jump right into it? we got a timer. Let's jump into it. So what is an MBA? Guys, an MBA is a master's in business administration. Basically, you are taking the theoreticals, and a little bit of the practicals. Right. I, is that is that correct? A, a little, little bit, a little a bit of the, little. <laughs> a little bit of the practicals. A little, little bit. And you're using that for the training for business management. And the key thing here is management, right? Mm-hmm. Business management is what you're going to be using. And it usually focuses around the topics, three main topics is accounting, finance, and marketing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. There are some other topics, some other electives that you can take, but for the most part, the three big pillars of any MBA program is how well do you account for the books? Right. Right. Is someone stealing from you? <laughs> Who's the embezzler? <laughs> right. Is everything make sense from the books? And are you guys doing a good job with paying your bills? Mm-hmm. Are the finances okay? And also at the same time, how are you able to communicate with your commu- consumers? Are you able to convince them to buy your products? Right. Are you turning their needs into their wants? Did I describe it right? Do I remember it right? Because this is over like 15 years ago. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you asking me. <laughs> now, for those those who are going into medical school or those who are in medical school and you're trying to get your MBA, I think the reason why people go into this is different than people who are not in medicine and they're getting the MBA, right? Right, right. So people who are 
not in medical school, people who are not in medicine and are trying to get an MBA, usually those are people who are trying to do a career shift, mm-hmm. right? They're trying to change careers or maybe they just want a promotion. Okay. But I think the majority of people who get an MBA, they are trying to get a career shift, right? Mm-hmm. If they're doing one career, they want to go into another completely different career and think that an MBA is, is prerequisite. So... No, I didn't... I wouldn't have thought that. I would have just thought, you know, people who are not in medicine who are getting MBAs, they just, you know, want to go into, you know, business. Like, you know, people who get their MBAs right after they get their bachelor's, for example, that they just want to be hired by like a Fortune 500 company or something. I agree with that. But I also think that, like, based off of my experience talking with, you know, my friends when they graduate from college, a lot of them were all like, five years in, six years in, and then they just wanted to pivot into something else, mm. and then they got their MBAs. Now, granted, that's all anecdotal and so right, forth. Right, But I do agree with you. I think that, I think outside of medicine, I don't think it's a natural progression to finish your bachelor's and then go get an MBA. I think an MBA, mm. usually people get, you need work experience for the most part for a lot of these programs. Okay. You need like two to five years of work experience before you even can get an MBA, mm. which is another... Um, which is another reason why I think most people come in with already some experience. Okay. But some people who are wanting to get into certain fields may feel like this is like this is strategic. This is like uh, what's the word I want to use? It is um, tactical. Tactical, and it's essential. Like if you mm-hmm. want to get into strategic planning, right? If you want to get into hedge funds, if you want to get into private equity firms, right? These right. are things that you feel like okay, well, that's par for the course. Everybody has an MBA. I need I to get need an to MBA. Get MBA. Specifically, right. I need to get an MBA from like one of the top like 10 business schools out there. Mm-hmm. Whereas for those who are in medical school and they're trying to get a dual degree, trying to get that MBA, yeah. the likelihood of their business school being attached to the, or the likelihood of a top 10 business school being right. attached to, to their, their medical, medical school, school is a lot really lower. low. Yeah. Right? So that's why I mentioned that. Gotcha, gotcha. Now let's shift to the different type of MBA programs. So the different types are there are two-year programs, which are for the most part full-time, right? Mm-hmm. What that means is is um, you are like, just like you're in medical school, you are a full-time MBA student. This is the most common. And the first year mainly is the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. This is where we're talking about the accounting, the finance, the marketing. And then the second year, we're talking about the electives and there's even a possibility to do a co-op, right? Which is mm-hmm. basically like an intern. Yeah. Or you just yeah. frankly are just doing an intern year. Right. Okay. Um, and then there are, oh, sorry. One thing I wanted to mention also is, is this allows, the two years allows you to build a really strong relationship with your classmates. Mm-hmm. And it also is promoting that network building. Right. So that right. The, by the end of your program, by the end of your MBA, you've created a project where you're able to work together with either your colleagues or you're working with, you know, your professors mm-hmm. or you're working with some type of network that's at that business school. Yeah. And we did that. We we had um, we definitely had projects um, with our classmates that we had to, like, sit down, you know, do. I don't even remember the project. we. Oh, we had to, to look at different EMRs. Yes. Yeah. We Which I thought look- was initially I thought that was a waste of time. Yeah, now look at us all. Everybody's on electronic yeah. medical record now. So we ended up, um, our group ended up looking at EMRs and things like that. And we did like a comparison of four. And then we had to decide which EMR as a group that we thought was the most comprehensive and the best um, for the use. So 
It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, definitely something that I think in 2002, 2003 was definitely in its early infancy oh, yeah. times. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, obviously it's a big deal now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but getting back to the different types, there are one-year programs, right? There are one-year programs that are just full-time. Intensive. Yeah, yeah, these are intensive accelerator programs, exactly right. the way how you describe it. And these are for people who are usually, they're not really looking to change careers. Mm. More so, they're looking to augment their current career. Mm. And maybe they're looking for what I said earlier, which is that promotion, that... Right. Um, you know, that that just adding a little bit more to just kind of spice things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is it's it's a tough it's tough for one year you're doing. Yeah. This. I mean, that any graduate program in one year and that's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's part time. There's online MBAs. Mm-hmm. There's international, usually international type of MBAs. Those focus on companies that are like that have a lot of global operations. Right. right. Um, and it's really good for candidates who are working for companies that are multinational. Mm-hmm. Right. So companies that have, you know, Indi- com- yeah, industries in Asia and exactly. Europe and yeah, all those places. You got it. You got it. This episode is brought to you by locumstory.com. Backdrop. 2012, finishing my fellowship in Miami and no decision bigger than where and how I was going to start working on my own. And there it was, the fork in the road, being employed versus something I had never heard of before, locum tenants. So I decided to go the locums route, and I had a ton of questions then. I stumbled a bit, but eventually I was able to stand on my own, and I have been working locums over the past 10 years. Now, what about you? If you're considering locums, you probably have hella questions just like I did. Like, who covers my malpractice? Do I really have control over how often I work? And what are the tax implications? Now, lucky for you, locumstory.com has the answers you need. It's packed with unbiased information and advice from docs just like you. And there's nothing to sell here. It's just a simple resource for information, like finding out what's the average pay rate for your specialty. There's even a quiz to see if locums is right for you. So listen, take my advice. Locumstory.com is the perfect place to start if you want to learn more about locums. That's locumstory.com. And then there's programs like ours, dual degree programs, right? So these are the DL, the MBA, the MD, MBA programs that are at, you know, a lot of business schools, including some of them being at the top 10 business schools. Some of them are at Northwestern University. Some of them are, you know, whatever long list of the top mm-hmm. 10. I don't even know the top 10 yeah. list, but I know Kelly. I know. Northwestern Mutual, or not, oof. <laughs> North Northwestern <Western> University. University. <laughs> not Northwestern Mutual. <laughs> Northwestern University, Kellogg School of Management is on there mm-hmm. um, and some other programs. And some of these programs are four years, right? So in some form or fashion, your education for your MBA is included in your education. So for us, we gave up our summers. So your first two right. summers, we gave up. And then we also did some online courses during our third and fourth year. Yeah. But I think the majority of MD or DO MBA programs are either one year or two years. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is like intensive one year or intensive two years where you're taking time off. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not like you are doing MBA courses one day and then the next day you're doing, 
you know, pathophys right. or organic chemistry. That doesn't work at all. And just remember, when you are in these type of programs, the primary goal is to get you to graduate from medical school. Right, right. So it behooves them to make sure that they're creating a curriculum and creating a pathway where you could be successful in, in both. both. Yeah. So if you're worried, that, oh, man, like it's going to take away from my studies. Yeah. No, it doesn't happen at the same time. Yeah. It never does. That yeah, was, even, was even ours, you know, like, so, you know, our MBA was essentially stretched out over four years, yeah. which was really helpful so that we could finish medical school in four years because um, at KCU, they basically were like, listen, if, you know, when they, when they made that relationship, they basically said, listen, if we can't have the students finish med school in four years, then we don't want to do the program. And so Rockhurst University, which is where we got our MBAs from. They're not sponsoring the show. Okay. But <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> they basically worked it out with KCU and they came up with a program so that we could finish in four years. But we, you know, that arrangement is actually not very common um, among, you know, dual degree programs in general. What so, do you mean? Doing it in four years? Doing it in four years. Yeah. Many, yeah. many medical schools will have you take that year off at the very least one year off. And so many of, you know, many people who get MBAs or other dual degrees will actually finish medical school in five years and not four. Mm. I'm yeah. going to save it to the end, but I'm very interested to find out mm -hmm. if you think it's better to do it in four years or in five years. Okay. I can tell you already, my mind was that I ain't spending no extra more time in med school and I wanted to do it in four years. But I do have some thoughts on if it's better to do it in four years or do it in five years. Okay. Now, there is one caveat. Obviously, if you're in a dual degree program, you are spending boku bucks on medical school, right? Yep. You're taking mad loans out. Um, so there's some additional costs, right? So ours was about $32,000. And like I said earlier, this was all private loans, right? Because yeah, yeah. at this point, we're maxing out our federal loans, the staff. Ain't no money left. Ain't no money left. So you got to get private loans. Yep. And I think that hasn't changed since 2000, since the early 2000s, right? There's a maximum on the amount of uh, federal loans that you can take out. Um, so if you are doing some extra education, you may have to do some private loans or ask mommy and daddy or some rich uncle to, to hook you up. <laughs> so let's shift to the cost. Okay. So the cost, the average cost now. So we got in, it was 32K, 25 to 32K. Something yeah. Like that. Something like that. The average cost I did the research is $70,000. I'm, I'm not shocked though. Anywhere between 70 to 80. Yeah. I'm not shocked though. I mean that price tag. Though. We're yeah, we're almost twenty years out. We're almost twenty years no, out. I know oh, we're not. Yes, are we are. We're almost twenty really? years out. We graduated two thousand six. Damn. Well, that's sixteen years. We're almost twenty years no, out. No, I think like you could say you're almost when you get to like two years, less than two years to go. So like when it's like eighteen. Anyway, or 19 we are years. past the fifteen year mark. <laughs> so yo, so it is doubled, more than doubled, actually. Yeah, way more than doubled. <laughs> and I think the majority of people who are going to pay for this, you're paying with this with private loans. Yeah. Don't forget the interest rates are a little bit higher, or can be significant, significantly higher with private loans mm -hmm. compared to federal funds, but. Just putting it out there. So that is the cost. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. That's so, that, that sobers everything up. Oh, God. Yeah. Now, the jobs that you can get, you can get jobs as a hospital administrator, right? And this so, is specific to being a, phys like, specific to physician 
jobs. Well, I appreciate you clarifying that. Yes. Yeah. So when you graduate from medical school with this degree, you can expect that there, for the most part, you can go into being a hospital administrator. So that is someone, a physician who is involved in the daily operations of the hospital, mm-hmm. right? When they order materials from pharmacy, when they order materials for food, when they order things from the cafeteria, you know, IV antibiotics, all of these different things are part of the operations of the hospital, how the OR moves, right? These are things that are suited for someone who may have more of a business sense. Right. Right. right? So there's also managing a department. Mm-hmm. Let's say you want to be a chairperson or let's say you just want to be a department head. It may make sense to get some business knowledge or some leadership well, knowledge. Well, the service line. You, you know where I'm going with this, <laughs> right? Everybody love the service line head. Now, if you are going into private practice, now you may find yourself managing your practice, right? Not just you know, doing what you're doing clinically, but managing your practice as well as your partners or other clinicians, healthcare providers who are there with you. As well as your office staff. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody, you know, just, yeah, everybody involved. Now, just just to be clear, most private practices will have someone that's an office manager. This is someone who is not Mm -hmm. a physician, someone who is not a clinician, who is dedicated just to really just running the daily operations, making sure everybody's there on time, making sure that, you know, that, you know, coders are doing what they need to code so that you can get the billing correct, making Mm -hmm. sure that things get fixed. And then you, as a physician, can speak that (laughs) same language as the office manager. You got to manage your office manager. (laughs) Exactly. If you're in nonprofit, if you're in a nonprofit world, which there are a lot of clinics out there uh, that are in the nonprofit uh, uh, region or nonprofit arena, you may be managing that also. Right. Right. Um, if you are deciding to become a healthcare consultant, now remember, um, there are a lot of business startups mm-hmm. that would want information, would want the knowledge of someone who is in medicine, but particularly someone who's in medicine and has a knowledge of the business of healthcare. Right. Right. Maybe even possibly you want to get gain equity with them, not just a salary, but gain equity so that when the company gets really big and they sell, you can get paid. You get a cha-ching. Alfred, hook it up with a dollar sign there. (laughs) (laughs) There's also nonprofits that may want you to consult with them. Um, And then also there's plenty of healthcare institutions. Right. So those are, for the most part, I think the main pathways. If you finish and you really want to practice and utilize your MBA, outside of doing clinical work, I think these are the other ways in which you can do work, which is being a hospital administrator, private practice, nonprofit manager, and a healthcare consultant. Let's move on to the pros and the cons. <laughs> okay, so the pros are, look, if you're really interested in business and you want to understand the language of business in a concentrated, fast way, this is the best way to do it. Right. Right. You can, listen, I'm, you do not have to be successful in business and have to have an MBA. I'm just, what does that mean? So in order to, to you don't a, have to have an MBA to be successful in business. Isn't that what I said? No. You said you don't have to be successful in business and have an MBA. That what I said, Alfred? <laughs> All right, my bad, everyone. So y'all know what I meant. You do not need an MBA to be successful in business. As a matter of fact, I think a majority of people who are yeah. have their own businesses do not have an, have, don't have an MBA. Exactly. So that's why I was specifically saying, listen, if you want to learn and understand all of this stuff in a fast-paced, concentrated right. effort, right. going to get a degree is the best way to do that in a theoretical, in a theoretical small, way. practical manner. Right. It doesn't mean that you'll be successful in business. It just means you'll learn about it a little bit faster than on the fly. Gotcha. Which you'll still, I mean, there's still a learning curve because, you know, the theoretical is not the practical. 
Now, so. The other thing, too, is you're around like-minded people. So if you're looking for people who are in your tribe, so to speak, if you're looking for ways that you can figure out solutions, but it's based on economics, mm-hmm. right? But you feel like maybe in medicine, people are just like, well, that's not the answer to things. The right. answer is clinical answers. The answer is, you know. got to do more research. You got to do more research. Clinical research. You're going to feel like you're with your people when you yeah. are, you know, when you're in, in business school. Now, mm-hmm. the cons are if you decide that clinical work is still what you want to do the majority of time, I think this is key. If you decide that you still want to do clinical work and getting your MBA in medical school, I think it's going to be very hard to apply all of these skills, all of this information that you learned, because you're going to have to go through residency, Mm -hmm. whatever that may be. That could be anywhere between three to eight years. And depending on which residency, which fellowship, which I think the majority of residencies and fellowships that you go to, They're not going to give you time to just kind of go and do whatever you want to do to practice your MBA skills, to keep them up. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you finish medical school and you go into residency, yo, you are in residency. They are not going to say, okay, just take a a year off and go work on your MBA. And I think that there needs to be some type of practice Mm -hmm. that's going on during this time. So for me, I finished my MBA and uh, got my DO degree. But for five years, although I thought like... Six years. Yeah, six years. Mm -hmm. Look at that. I'm not, I don't even do math right, right? <laughs> but like, although like, that's not because that's not because of no MBA. No, that's because you. I didn't get a chance to practice my MBA. Mm, okay, <laughs> that ain't why. You that's another. Do, that's you, another episode. You could not do math in med school either. That's another episode, and don't mess with our time. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing is, is that you're going to be so enthralled and so busy with residency that I think it's going to be really hard to keep those skills up yeah. to keep that practice up. Thoughts on that? No. I mean, I think it is unless you literally go rogue and (laughs) go on your own, you know, and you're like a crazy resident who can, you know, do what is it? It's supposed to be 80 hours a week, quote unquote, um, and still be able to do something on the side on your own. um, You're probably not going to have a time any time to exercise that MBA muscle. Yeah, That's what I think. So and I think think the big thing is if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. I don't think you'll lose it. But I think I think you will you won't lose it. But I think it it will be a steeper learning curve um, that you might be frustrated with because you already have the MBA. You know what I mean? You're gonna lose it. That's what I think. The question (laughs) is: Is do you think this makes you more attractive to residencies getting an MBA? Yeah, I do. That and that's the problem. I think it actually does make you more attractive to residency programs, even though they know that yeah, we're not gonna let you use this thing. I'm going to say no. I don't think it makes you more attractive residency. Mm-hmm. Do you think this makes you more attractive or competitive when looking for a job? So when you finish residency and you're looking for the regular run-of-the-mill clinical job, having no. an MBA? Having an MBA, not not the regular run-of-the-mill clinical job. The reason I said it's probably more attractive for residency programs is not because of the nature of just having, you know, like the nature of the actual degree, but more so the, oh, you did two Degrees all at once, like it just gives you just a little bit of edge. I think, especially if you are somebody who you know is already you know already competitive, or someone who's maybe like I do. I think so. I don't care. I think you think think, so. so I think there's the reality. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. I think there's what we want it to be, like the perfect world. And Mm -hmm. I think there's the reality. I think you think that that's that's important. I don't don't think, think it's important. 
I'm, I don't think that that's important. I don't think having an MBA or a dual degree is actually important. Okay. I think that that's just a little bit of a competitive edge. You that think that, but I don't think, I don't think residency directors do. Well, I mean, I, so remember residency directors aren't the only people sitting around the table. There are a number of people sitting around the table. Right. When it comes time to decide which residents are we going to rank, who we're not going to rank. So it's a number of people sitting around the table. And I think that there are going to be some people, some of whom already have their own dual degrees, who are going to say, yeah, this gives this candidate a little bit of a competitive edge because they feel that they are they have a competitive. If you're listening to this and you agree with Dr. Renee, let us know. I think the majority are not going to agree with you and stuff, but that's all right. That's fine. And I, I, I mean, if I'm wrong, guys, if you guys think that I'm wrong, I'm not saying that it's going to make the difference of whether you get into residency or not. I'm saying it literally just gives you just that much of a competitive edge. That's it. But is it going to make or break you as a resident? You know, as somebody who's going to get into medical or into residency. residency, I don't think, no, I don't think that's going to make the difference. I think it's like, oh, if it's between this person and the other person who has an MBA and who doesn't have an MBA and they're kind of on the same footing that that, you know, the person with the MBA, they're going to be like, well, they did do, you know, two at the same time. So this person probably has a little bit more oomph and acumen and, you know, energy and and whatever, you know, stick to itiveness or whatever they call it than the other person who just didn't have that. That's all, I think. But maybe uh, not. I, mean, I might be wrong. Okay. So let's jump into our advice overall. In keeping with everything that we discussed, our advice. Why don't you go first? My advice. Your advice. Do you think that someone should get... What is your advice on someone getting an MBA in medical? Well, first of all, the question is, do you even need an MBA? I don't think that you need an MBA, right? Like, you know, that's not something that is requisite, I think, to become a doctor, number one. Number two, I don't think it's even requisite to become a doctor who becomes an administrator if that's what you're looking for. I really think it's just... You know, it's a little extra something that if if it's something that you want to do, you know, if it's something that you think like is going to give you maybe you do think it's going to give you a little bit more of a competitive edge or maybe it's something that you really are just that interested in learning. But if you think that you're going to get some big return on investment just by getting the MBA, um, especially now when we're talking about MBAs costing seventy thousand dollars. I would tell you, Some of you them know, even eighty thousand, right? I would yeah. tell you that putting in zero investment and then getting paid for, you know, having some sort of uh, business knowledge that you know nowadays you can you can get that business knowledge, you know, by doing other things. Yeah, um, I, I, I think. Yeah, I think, you I bring think up that's a, a better investment. I think you bring up a good point. Um, so I, the way I look at it is think before you do, right? Mm-hmm. Don't just do it just because you're in med school. Well, I'm in med school. I'm young. I'm whatever it may be. This is the time to do it. I know it's very attractive to do that and stuff. Yeah. Right? It's, oh, it may be really hard for me to go back and get it once I'm already practicing mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, I get into, a, you know, um, I'm married or I have kids and so forth. Granted, some of those things, there's some validity to that, right? right? But I do think you need to think before you do, and you need to think about it from a so many different perspectives. So what I was jumping on, what you said, which is the skills versus the degree argument, right? Which right. is, is it better to have the degree or is it better to just gain skills along the way? Mm-hmm. And the reason I think about that is I think about the private practice doc, right? Yes, it'd be great for a private practice doc to have an MBA. 
does that private practice doctor need an MBA mm-hmm. to have a very successful, lucrative career where he or she is managing other clinicians in a very successful way? Mm-hmm. I would absolutely have to say, no, that is not needed. Particularly if you're really good at delegation and you have a really great office manager, you can develop those skills over time. Mm-hmm. You can take courses. You can you know, put yourself in certain seminars to gain the knowledge, yeah. masterminds, and all these different you yeah. know, people who think just like you, where you can gain the skills to be very successful without necessarily having to get the degree. Yeah. The other thing, though, that I have to say is, well, look, if you just in general on GP are just like, I'm really interested in learning about the business of healthcare, mm-hmm. then by all means, Go ahead and do that. Right. Get your MBA. Go ahead and get your MBA. Right. The other thing, too, is is that what you really need to consider is is how how much clinical work do you envision yourself doing Mm -hmm. when you're done? Because I think that is a key fork in the road. Yeah. Right? If you are saying, I want to be the best surgeon that I can be, or I want to be the best ex that I can be clinically, Mm just know that it's going to be very difficult to do both. Right. So oftentimes what you'll see is a lot of folks will get their MD, they'll get their MBA or whatever the DO and the MBA. They may go through residency or they may end up doing a residency that is maybe like a hybrid type mm-hmm. of experience where they're doing um, whatever it is clinically, but there's also an, an opportunity. Administrative. An op- exactly, mm-hmm. an opportunity yeah. for them to do administration. And those have popped up. Um, more recently, I think the administrative residencies, if you will, um, you know, I don't know much about them. I don't know about accreditation. I don't know, you know, um, what that means in terms of people's abilities to get into certain positions, but they are there. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I think. I think that overall, you got to think about that fork in the road of I'm getting a degree, but is, are the decisions that I make afterwards going to allow me to really just... Let me do what I really want to do, which is practice in a hybrid type of manner, right? And I, I think yeah. that was looking back for me. I'm like, well, I really had to force my way to do the things that I wanted to do once I finished residency mm-hmm. and fellowship. And I definitely, I'm going to be really honest. Like, I remembered half of the stuff that we learned, you know, six years prior to that, which mm-hmm. was in which was in school. So. But it didn't mean that I didn't think in a way that was entrepreneurial. Right. Think in a way right. that, you know, is, you know, more like business-wise, yeah. savvy. But can I say that necessarily came from the MBA? That's the key question. Well, I think, you know, you're in order to be someone who is, you know, thinking in a business way, like if you if you already have that in mind, those are the people who are most likely going to go and get an MBA, right? Like you're not going to go and get an MBA if you're not really, you know, even if you don't even have the propensity to think in a way that, you know, a lot of business minded people think, right? So I think there's an attraction to an MBA based on, you know, someone's tendency already to think like a, like a business, but, or like a business person. Um, Or just are interested. Or yeah, or just interested. Um, but the you know the thing that I want people to also realize is that the reason that you get an MBA today might be a very different reason later on, and you <laughs> might realize yeah. that the reason later on is not a reason for you to have gotten an MBA, right? So for me, it was I want to start my own practice and things like that, and now I'm realizing like first of all, I don't want to start my own practice anymore. But secondly, 
if I if I went to start my own practice, I actually t- today don't believe that I would have needed an MBA to do that. Right. I, I think the same thing. I wanted to, you know, start my own practice. And I thought that I wanted to understand the lingo of my office manager. Yeah. I knew that even back then, uh, before I even decided to do the MBA, that I wanted to get that. And, um, you know, looking back now, I'm like, well, I didn't necessarily really need the MBA. Mm-hmm. But I am very thankful for all the the experiences that I had. I'm very thankful for the knowledge that I had. Right. But I think looking back, I don't think it was make or break, you know, yeah. type of decision. So there it is, guys. I think we got in under 30 minutes. So <laughs> we got under 30 minutes. So and that's our timer right there. So that is our thoughts on should you get an MBA in a dual degree pattern while you're in medical school? For everybody who agrees with Dr. Renee that it makes you a really attractive candidate. I did not say that. That is not what I said. <laughs> anyway, for those who agree with Dr. Renee, <laughs> write in the comments below or write to us uh, and let us know. If you agree with me, also let us know. Write in and let us know what you think. You be misrepresenting what I be saying. That's not true. Yes, it is. But anyway, guys, we're going to catch you guys on the next episode of Docs Outside the Box. Peace. Peace, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening as well as supporting Docs Outside the Box. Listen, this show is produced by Darko Media Group, and the dope audio experience is edited by the one, the only, Christian Parry, also known as your podcast pal. Links to him in the show notes. Listen, this is Dr. Ning, the Doc Outside the Box. I'll catch you on the next one. Peace.